This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hi, and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been practicing in Fayetteville, Arkansas for over 25 years, and last year began this podcast, Self Work. I not only wanted to confront the stigma of mental illness and talk about it openly, talk about my own struggles with mental illness, and certainly try to normalize problems for others, but I also wanted to give those who might listen be they people who are in therapy and very comfortable with the psychological world, or be they people who would never darken the door of a therapist, I wanted to give you a chance to hear how a psychologist or a mental health professional thinks, so that I could shed some light, at least from a psychological perspective, on common problems and things we all deal with. Today, we're going to be talking about self-forgiveness. This podcast was actually triggered by my work Within the last couple of weeks with a woman who wakes up in the middle of the night and literally is awake for two to three hours ruminating about things from her past that are so painful to her. And I've heard it many, many times before. I've done podcasts on self-compassion. And of course, self-compassion is linked to self-forgiveness. But compassion is understanding. And forgiving is an actual act. I'm going to link it a little bit. As we talk about narcissism, narcissists certainly are people that don't believe they have anything to forgive themselves for, and I'll recite what's called the narcissist prayer for you. (laughs) It's really pretty funny. So I have five ideas that are an answer to the question I've been asked I don't know how many times. How do I forgive myself? And today's email from a listener, which is a regular feature of self-work, is what happens when you lose your kids after divorce due to the manipulation of your ex. There's a lot of pain in this woman's email, and I was so glad that she reached out. So I'm glad you're here, and we're going to be talking about self-forgiveness. I looked up the word forgive, and it has several meanings, to grant pardon, to absolve, to give up all claim, to cease to feel resentment against, to cancel an indebtedness. But it becomes all the more complex when we're talking about forgiving ourselves. How do you know you're not simply letting yourself off the hook, that you're not taking responsibility for your actions? Is there a statute of limitations on guilt if you forgive yourself? Does that mean you no longer have remorse? I've learned that shame and guilt reside on many different levels. Perhaps you married someone you didn't really love and eventually divorced. Maybe you did things as a kid, like you stole money from your parents and blamed it on your brother. Maybe you were even depressed and tried to take your own life. You look back on that now and shudder. How could I have done that? But what does that mean? Does That means it's all okay now. And how do you actually forgive yourself? There are many people in the world who never take responsibility or blame for their actions. They struggle with what's called narcissism, meaning they're highly self-absorbed and can be extremely manipulative. 
They not only let themselves off the hook far too easily, they may never hang themselves on it in the first place. I was given this narcissist prayer by someone this week, and it's funny unless you're on the receiving end of these words. So here's the narcissist prayer. That didn't happen. And if it did, it wasn't that bad. And if it was, that's not a big deal. And if it is, that's not my fault. And if it was, I didn't mean it. And if I did, you deserved it. (laughs) That's narcissism, all right. It's important to remember that there's tremendous insecurity underneath that relentless barrage of blame. But that does not change the damage done. So what if you struggle with forgiving yourself? You're not narcissistic. There's not a narcissistic bone in your body. But you don't know how to forgive yourself. What if you wake up in the middle of the night and obsess about the smallest of things, everything from what you said at a party to who you slept with in high school to the catty thing you said about a friend five years ago? And what if there are more serious things that you can't trivialize or you can't put them in perspective that you realize now are mistakes? They were serious things, but you do realize they were mistakes. And if you suffer with anxiety, These thoughts can run you ragged, or even depression, can keep you up at night and stop you from ever having a true sense of self-esteem, of self-worth, of knowing that you're a good person. You can never, even in your own mind, live down your past. And that can lead to hopelessness and feeling very, very trapped. Some people have the ability to allow their faith to guide them to forgiveness, both for others and for themselves, and that kind of faith can be a huge blessing. Maybe you have that listening to this. You may be talking to me and saying, why doesn't she say anything about faith? So I wanted to mention it. However, there are others, especially those with depression and anxiety, that are completely weighed down by the shame that they feel and they cannot forgive themselves. I'm not a pastor or a spiritual guide, but I've looked into many a tearful eye and tried to answer this very difficult question. How can I forgive myself? There are five things that I usually say. The first is you can make a choice to be engaged with the present instead of the past. You know, a lack of self-forgiveness keeps you rooted in the past. Maybe half of you is in the present, open to opportunities and ideas around you, but the other half is focused back on whatever happened years ago. So guess what? You're going to miss all of who you could be in this moment and even rob the people in your life now from having a dad or a mom, a friend or a colleague who's fully engaged. So it's a real waste when you aren't engaged and fully present with the people who you love now. So knowing how to forgive yourself is vital to being able to live in the present to not drag around a huge burden of shame for things that were impulsive misjudgments or even intentional acts that you now believe were hurtful mistakes. I remember very well a woman that I was seeing who left my office and killed herself. We had formed a suicide pact. I had talked with her husband and he was meeting her at the house. She had told me that there was nothing in the house that she could kill herself with. And we agreed to meet the next day and that her husband would not leave her side. Well, 
she was not able to follow through with her commitment to me. She did have a method to kill herself at home that she had not been honest with me about. But obviously, I had a great amount of trouble forgiving myself. And I can remember the first few patients that I saw after her, after I knew of her death, was very difficult to stay engaged. But I had to learn to do that. I had to be the therapist that the person sitting in front of me needed, not the one who was grieving the death of my patient. It took me a while, but it's so important to find a way to forgive yourself. So here's a second idea. You can learn to tolerate and accept the mistake. You know, years ago, when I was much younger, (laughs) I tried to fix a mistake by making another one. I was dating someone who'd been abusive to me, and I was ashamed of not getting out, so I married him in order to convince myself and probably others that the relationship had been right all the time. It was all going to work out, and that was really stupid. (laughs) Letting go of guilt and shame doesn't involve relabeling a mistake as not a mistake. It doesn't mean justifying or rationalizing it. It takes having the integrity to admit to yourself that you were wrong, that you'd been hurtful to others and perhaps yourself, and that you can tolerate that knowledge. Your mistake doesn't define you any more than the choices you're proud of. We're all a composite of our mistakes, our foolishness, our selfishness, whatever, and our successes, the things we don't mind others knowing about us. So you can learn to tolerate the fact that you're human and that you make mistakes. Here's the third idea. You can make a choice to let go, not of the responsibility, but of the barrage of guilt and shame. There's a difference between taking responsibility for the hurtful impact your choices made on others and carrying around guilt for years and years. The first choice reflects integrity And the second can be self-destructive. And if it turns into shame where you not only feel guilt, but begin defining yourself as a bad person because you did it, then you can have much more severe problems. The example I gave of my patient who killed herself after she left my office, I kept her file for years, reread it and reread it. I had done what I was ethically supposed to do. I'd alerted family. We had a plan together of how to address the way she felt. But of course, I had to take responsibility for maybe missing the look in her eyes or something that I could have detected that I didn't see. I still take responsibility for that. But that's different than being crippled by shame or guilt about it. Here's the fourth idea. You can determine if there's some action that would be healing an action in the present. Think about it if there's something you can do to help remedy the mistake. There may not be. Or you might be able to think of something. If so, act on it after giving it some thought. But be careful. Remember, you can't fix it. But there may be an action that feels healing. The fifth idea is to know that you can grow and learn from your mistakes. I know that I've talked about this on other podcasts, but a supervisor told me years ago, shame is a helpful emotion if it lasts for 10 seconds 
and it leads to a change in behavior. (laughs) I didn't believe him at the time, but it's really good advice. So you can decide how you want to let an old mistake or one that you just made yesterday. How do you want it to change the way you behave? And then you go for it. You actually learn far more from mistakes you make than you do your successes. So ultimately, all of it is a choice. Forgiving yourself is a choice. Your choice to let go or to remain unforgiven. Let's go back over all five. You could make a choice to be engaged with the present instead of the past. You can learn to tolerate and accept the mistake. You can make a choice to let go, not of the responsibility, but of the barrage of guilt and shame that you thrust on yourself. You can determine if there's some action that would be healing. And you realize that you can grow and learn from your mistakes. Your behavior will be changed from now on. And others around you and yourself will benefit from those very changes. So today's listener email is from a woman who really struggled after her divorce with her children due to the manipulation and the non-responsiveness of her ex. She says, I'm so thrilled to have stumbled across your podcast while randomly searching for a new listen during my evening walks. A lot of you find me randomly. I'm like, I've got to do some advertising or something. I started by listening to episode 71 and then immediately went to episodes three and four to learn more about perfectly hidden depression. Then I decided to go back and listen from the beginning. I'm so intrigued and don't want to miss a thing. That's very nice to say. Thank you. I feel like so much is being explained about my own life. A little history of me. I need to say here that I had to cut out a lot of this because it was a long email, which was fine, but too long actually for the podcast. I hope that I've got the basic story correct. Our parents divorced when I was four. After the divorce, it was very ugly. Both parents are alcoholics. Mom was a functioning alcoholic, while dad definitely couldn't function. Mom remarried two times. The first stepdad was physically abusive to her, my sister, and me. The second stepdad molested both me and my sister from the time we were eight to ten. We finally confronted him in our older teenage years, and he literally disappeared from the house as of that day. Mom divorced him, but claims that she was unaware of ongoing issues. I married at an early age and have two kids, a son and a daughter. My husband and I met in high school and were married for a long time. We were terrific parents to our kids. We did everything for and with our kids, but we rarely made time for each other. Needless to say, our interests grew further and further apart. Against all of my own morals and values, I had an affair. I carried a ton of guilt and shame. I take full responsibility for my actions. He wanted to work things out, but by that time, I was so emotionally unattached, I knew that it was time to move forward. Our divorce was horrible. It seemed like his goal was to shame me and play the victim. My mother actually also publicly judged me and was vicious on social media. Sadly, my ex was more concerned with winning the kids than anything else. They were in their early teenage years. He coached slash encouraged the kids to either do whatever they want or whatever they did not want to do. 
I would arrive to pick them up, for example, and they would stand in the door waving and laughing at me, saying, We're not going. Dad said we could do whatever we wanted. I'd arrive for counseling. He would drop them off out front, and then they would walk away and never come to the counseling appointment. It was a defeating, humiliating experience. I feel like I begged for a relationship with my husband for years, and never in my wildest of nightmares did I imagine I would have to beg for a relationship with my own children. Now that they're adults, to this day, it's almost as bad. My oldest child does not speak to me. He has sporadically communicated, but I feel like he feels like he's betraying his father when he has any kind of relationship with me. Thankfully, my younger daughter has come around and just recently decided to live with me full-time. While I want a meaningful relationship with her, I'm over-the-top thrilled to have her home. She uses pot like her father has for many years, and I need to be aware of the boundaries and not fall into codependent behavior. I wanted to take a minute to say thank you as well. I'm nowhere near the lowest time of my life anymore, but I have so much to learn. Thank you for your podcasts. They have taught me so much in such a little amount of time. They help in many ways. That's very nice. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm so glad. So here's my response. This is obviously a very difficult situation and one I have sadly and tragically heard many times. Thank you so much for writing and letting me know that self-work has been helpful to you in some way. It sounds as if your ex-husband has acted in a vicious and emotionally destructive manner to both you and your children. I'm glad that you got help when you needed it. I've certainly been involved in cases like this where emotional divorce is prolonged and the children are manipulated. It's either prolonged or it never happens. The best hope I've ever been able to offer in such a heartbreaking situation is that time often makes a big difference. Your daughter, for example, may have begun to learn for herself about your ex's need for control or whatever is prompting him to act the way he does. As your kids become more able to mentally understand and have more objectivity, hopefully they both will have a relationship with you. Perhaps the only thing you have in your control is being there in an understanding way when they approach, giving the message that you're not involved in any battle with your ex or with them. Waiting can be hard. The other thing, something that it sounds as if you're doing, is to send messages in some form every now and then to your son, simply saying that you care and remain loving him. I'm lucky enough to have one son, and I can only imagine how hard this kind of estrangement is. But you hung in there with your daughter, and y'all are forging another relationship. I'm also glad to hear that you got help about codependent behavior. She sought therapy herself. Hopefully, if you don't do those things and don't enable, then your daughter will be dealing with her own consequences, and you can love her through that. Good luck for you, and good luck to you. Maybe the worst case of emotional divorce I ever heard was literally two parents who made their children take off the clothes they had bought for them and put them in the car and delivered them to the other parent. It was so humiliating to the children. I heard about it from the adult who had suffered it, but I've been involved in cases where the rancor is so severe and so vicious that the children, usually, especially one child, becomes very depressed and angry and starts acting out. It is difficult at times when you've been hurt by someone to co-parent with them, but trying to put your children first is what's so, so important.
want to thank you for listening to Self Work today. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate the ratings and reviews I've been getting. And I love hearing from you. You can email me at askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. I will answer your emails. If you don't want me to use your question or your comment on the air, I will not do that. But I will get back with you. I love hearing who you are, where you are, how old you are, what you're dealing with in your own life. And actually, it gives me ideas for future podcasts. So I so appreciate you writing me and letting me know who you are. Again, that's AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. I have a website, DrMargaretRutherford.com again, (laughs) and I blog there weekly. You can sign up for my newsletter, and you'll actually get not only my weekly blog post, but my podcast as well. So it's a way of killing two birds with one stone. Or you can, of course, subscribe wherever you listen to self-work. I've just started a Facebook group as well, and it's called Self-Work. It's a closed group. Right now, it's mostly women, but it's not a woman-only group. But I'll bring a couple of things up every week to discuss, or actually other members are doing the same thing. So I'd love to have you as a member of that group. It's called Self-Work. If you go on my Facebook page at drmargaretrutherford.com, You'll see it in groups, and you can join. I'd love that. Don't forget, if you do, to answer the questions, because I'm looking for people who want to interact. And if you don't answer the questions in order to become a member, then I'm right now not accepting you. But I would love to have you a part of that and get to know you better. Again, if you struggle with self-forgiveness, then I hope this podcast is helpful to you. And I want to thank you for listening. Take very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work. <laughs>